This is the How to Share podcast, where we help you find your story, write your story, and share that story with the world. With loads of experience marketing, hotels, restaurants, and influencers, your host, Amy Dreheim, will help you craft stories worth sharing. Stories that do more than sell a room or destination, they inspire. If you're ready to share better stories and improve your marketing strategy, you're in the right place. Here's your host, marketing expert, author, and travel blogger, Amy Dreheim. This is the How to Share podcast, episode 29. All right, the much-anticipated part two of my interview with Bashar Wali is here. Last week, we talked about COVID-19 as an accelerator for change within the hospitality industry. Bashar shared his own experiences having stayed in 205 hotels and counting, and what he's realized, that a lot of independent hotel experiences aren't very independent after all. The ways we market hotels, the ways we train employees, and the ways we interact with guests are kind of predictable. From words that are so overused to copycat design elements and checklist service that does not equate to hospitality. Now, if part one is a state of the industry report, part two is the action plan. So be sure to listen to the first half of this interview if you haven't already. On today's episode, we're diving right into what Bashar's built. We're getting the scoop on this assembly and Bashar's vision for the future. Let's begin. Okay, I think it's time. Let's talk about what's next for you. Look, I felt for a while that I was being hypocritical, sort of not practicing what I'm preaching. And, you know, this has been in the making, to your point, far before COVID and unrelated to COVID, frankly. I just felt that we are becoming, and I think I wrote a piece on this on LinkedIn about hoteliers being lemmings, you know, those uh, animals that will copy each other and literally one, one will jump off a cliff and the rest will follow him or her to their death. And I worried that we as an industry have become somewhat lemmings and we really needed to think about it differently. Now, look, we talk a lot here in our shop about the idea that we're not inventing a flying car. The hotel industry is the same at the end of the day from the beginning of time. You show up, I give you shelter, I make you feel warm, it's comfortable. Sure, hopefully it's inspirational and aspirational and all those things. But at the end of the day, it became sort of a rat race and we really lost our ways. So I wanted to go out and have the time to think about how can this be done better, differently. And again, not inventing a flying car, but I just felt that there was a better way to design a car. And maybe the engine is hybrid and maybe it's electric and maybe it's a pickup truck and maybe it's a race car. It doesn't matter. There was just a different way to do it, a better way to do it. So how are we going to do things differently? Back to authenticity for a minute. The idea was to think about a niche in the market that may be missing. Because ultimately, look, I I tell people this all the time. I want to make money. I'm in the business to make money. I love what I do. So this is not work for me. But I want to make money. However, if making money means crushing everyone along the way, I'm not interested in making money. So again, another buzzword that's sort of circulating now is the idea of conscious capitalism. I truly am taking that to heart and saying, how can we 
do work that allows everyone to thrive. And this idea of people first that I've been preaching for, like you said, five years at least, I really, since the beginning of my career, but I've been vocal about it in the last five years. How do I practice what I preach and really make it about people? And when we talk about people, again, often our industry thinks guests. Well, employees are people too. Vendors are people. The city official you're talking to is people. So you really have to take that the idea of being kind beyond the four walls of your hotel and push it out into the community that you're in that you're a big part of. I like where you're going with this, but I can't help but think it's a tough time to talk about people in the hospitality industry. You know, during COVID, we talk a lot about we had to make a lot of hard decisions, right, to our employees, largely. But we also had to make hard decisions towards our vendors. Why are we not treating them with the same respect and dignity that we're treating our employees? Why are we ignoring their calls and not taking them? So we sent them the letter that said, listen, we're really sorry. We're in this together. We're not blowing you off. We want to pay you. We just can't right now. And people call. And often you wouldn't take their call and you'd point them to the letter. But I said, I called BS on that. And I said, I'm going to take your call. And I end up talking to someone who's a fish provider to us in a town who literally is a tiny little business. And we owed him, I don't know, $2,000. But that $2,000 changed his life versus owing some big corporation $200,000, which is a drop in the bucket. And we decided actively to say, this is a human who's suffering and we can make a difference and pay him that bill that matters a lot to him. So we sort of throw these blanket statements and we hide behind what's happening because we've lost our humanity and we're not looking at them as individuals. We bucket them all as vendors. They're not all vendors, they're all different. So I felt that I was not practicing what I preach and I really wanted to have the space to think about how can we bring, and I hate using this word, it's such a big word, humanity, bringing humanity back into hospitality. So I won't use humanity as the word humanness back into hospitality. Now, COVID has informed a lot of what we do, like I said, and accelerated. So people talk about technology. I want to use technology to remove the friction, not remove the humans, meaning I don't want you being checked in by robots. But if I used to have to have three people at the front desk to check you in, and now I can get away with having one because I do a lot of this stuff remotely or using an app or whatever, I want to have that one be the best one you can have who can engage with you and be there for you and really make you feel warm and welcome, not check in on your phone, on the plane, land, not see a human, walk into the room and never interact with a human. So I'm trying to think about how technology can remove friction to allow us to focus more on those interactions and human experiences rather than let's cut cost. Great. We can replace it with a machine to check people in. Fine. That's, that's a smart business thing to do, but don't do it with the intent of removing humans. Do it with the intent of utilizing humans better. I agree with you. We do not want our humans acting like robots. I can say with certainty that I've had those experiences way more than I would like to have. And we should use technology to replace those robotic experiences so then we can use our humans to have human experiences. The whole front desk thing, the transactional nature of it, why am I taking your credit card and swiping it? That seems so 1995, right? I should be spending five minutes with you talking to you about the town and where I like to eat and becoming more concierges and friends than being checking in, give me your credit card, sign this piece of paper and tell you all the rules and regulations. So we spent a lot of time thinking about that. And as you know, the cycle, unfortunately, for better or for worse, is going to provide a lot of opportunity to get into real estate for the right prices in the right markets and try to sort of do this proof of concept about a place that can actually provide you the service that you want, the commodity, without having to struggle to get there 
a bed, a shower, an exceedingly comfortable bed, a reliable shower, reliable internet, security, safety, all that stuff, but provide it within the context of, again, the warmth of the cocoon that you're used to at home and you're used to at your family's house. Go into your grandmother's house. That's how it should feel. There's this nuance of, okay, we just removed a bunch of the front desk agents. We've made a lot of things contactless, but what can we do to use those bodies better? I think it's a really, really good point. Exactly right. Look, people talk about training and all that is great and fine and dandy. To me, training is about, here's how you use the computer. That's training. Emotional intelligence is the only training that matters. And to me, that's a far more nebulous thing to train. It really, for me, begins with culture creation. And culture creation starts with how do we coworkers interact with each other? How do we treat our vendors? How do we treat the homeless guy that walks through the door looking for something? That, to me, sets the tone about what's acceptable and what kind of an environment we're fostering here to be able to demonstrate to the people we expect to utilize emotional intelligence and deal the same way with guests to really understand and believe in. I mean, it's sounding a bit culty. That's obviously not the intent. But yeah, if it's a cult, I'm happy to call it a cult. A cult that says, we respect humans equally. We treat humans the same. I mean, think about if, if you see two employees interacting in a hotel and you're a guest, like that has an influence on your opinion of that hotel. And by the way, something I'm passionate about too is this idea of we've created this fourth wall of service, I call it, where it's back of the house, front of the house. And I wrote recently about the idea of back of the house being, in my opinion, a derogatory term. Like, what do you mean back of the house? So part of what I preach is, look, the employee bathroom should be as important to you, hotel owner, hotel manager, as the guest bathroom. Sure, it doesn't have to be marble and gold, but if there's a cleanliness standard for your guest bathroom, that same standard should be applied to your employee bathroom. Because what message are you telling the employee? The guest matters a lot more than you do. We care about them a lot more than we do you. Mm. So the idea of knocking down that wall and really saying, we celebrate our employees being front-facing with the guests, housekeepers being at the gift shop buying a soda at the same time the guest is buying a soda. Why are we so stuck on hiding them when they're the true hero? We celebrate the chef. Why aren't we celebrating the housekeeper, who's actually far more entrenched in your business than the chef ever will? They're picking up your unmentionables off the ground and they're cleaning your mess and all of that. Why don't we celebrate them as much? So in the new model we're thinking about is the idea of take down that wall. And now obviously people will say, well, yeah, nice try. You're doing it because of COVID because you want to show Amy that someone is scrubbing the lobby. Well, that's not the intent. Now, COVID accelerated that idea, right? Sure. Because now I want to show off to you. We used to say clean the lobby after hours. We don't want guests seeing you. Well, now it's the opposite. Clean the lobby during hours. We want the guests seeing you. But to me, that has far more implications than just COVID. It really is about humanizing the experience and realizing that your room doesn't magically become clean. There's a mother, a sister, a brother, a husband, a father behind those that's working hard to make sure you have a great experience. So again, human-centered, for-profit. Again, I sound righteous that this is a charity. It is not responsible capitalism. How do we invest in our people so that they become better members of the community and create a better experience for the guests? Got it. So these are your tenants, and a lot of them actually have been informed or accelerated by COVID. I mean, human-centered, bringing humans from the back of house into the front of house and humanizing the experience from beginning to end. Look, we all want PR and we all want marketing and we all want to be in the paper having cleaned our block and fed the homeless and all of that. But I start thinking about 
our motto, by the way, for my new venture is we want to do well by doing good. And again, I promise you, in five minutes, we'll be throwing up every time we hear this, just like storytelling. Same thing. But nonetheless, I'm owning it for now. Do well by doing good and conscious, responsible capitalism. So we clean the block, we feed the homeless, we write a check to this charity, we write a check to that charity. And at the end of the day, it seems like it's all peeing in the ocean. We really don't make that big a difference because ultimately our resources are pretty limited. We have investors, we have fiduciary responsibility to our investors who are also humans, by the way, and deserve the same respect as all the other groups I mentioned. So I start thinking about cities and places that are open 24 seven in cities. So hospitals, not happy places, fire police, generally not happy places, utilities, not happy places, 7-Eleven, by God, at least where I live, not happy places after hours. <laughs> and you think about a hotel and, and a hotel as you're driving into a strange city in the middle of the night is this sort of like warm beacon of light that's going to be your home away from home. And you don't get that feeling with Airbnbs, right? You just don't because there's not that, that sort of home sense to it in terms of the people that are there. Hotels used to be such an integral part of the community, right? They were the community's living room. All happy things happen in hotels. And we've strayed so far away from that now that you go to any given city, if you're a member of that community, you feel unwelcomed in the hotel. It's not for you. It's for tourists, right? So how do we as hotels become, given how big a part of the community that we are, how do we become a better member of that community? So as we think about it more and as I'm thinking about it, I'm saying, look, an average size hotel for us is, I don't know, 150 rooms, let's call it. There's usually 50 employees there total. If I took all my time, energy, and money that I was sprinkling in the ocean, as I suggested, and everyone's going to get to that image in their head now of somebody peeing in the ocean. <laughs> if I took that energy, time more importantly, energy and money combined, and focused on those 50 people within my four walls, and was truly, truly invested in their well-being, in their future, in their hopes and their aspirations, the chances of me creating more success because my efforts and money are concentrated are far greater. And if Amy, who works for me, who's trying to buy a house or trying to get her green card or trying to send her kid to college or trying to care for her elderly parents, if I can somehow help her accomplish any of these goals, again, whether it's financial, it's not always financial, obviously financial helps, but it's also education, learn a language, et cetera she then automatically becomes a better part of the community in which my hotel is in. And I, the hotel or, or the owner of that hotel, enjoys the benefit of a community that's better, that's thriving because its members are thriving. I like this. So it goes back to the root of hospitality and how to be a true community partner. And sometimes we have to look inside of our own hotels, not just outside. So I love this idea of really focusing on your own employees. So we're trying to take all those efforts and take them internally. And this is beyond, okay, we're going to give you healthcare and 401k. Right. This is really above and beyond that. And again, it is not always, people always think ka-ching, ka-ching. Sure, money is part of it, but ultimately it's the time and energy you take with it. Like I'll give you a silly example. Let's say in every confirmation email, we say, hey, we love to include our guests in our community. We have employees here who are generally low-wage immigrants. If you happen to be an expert in one of the following topics and are willing to give us an hour of your time, we'd love to give audience to 10 employees to sit with you and learn about first mortgage and learn about SBA loan and learn about green card. And you think about that simple example, which may happen once a year, by the way, it doesn't matter. But mm -hmm. you think about every guest who gets that and see it now, they say, man, this is amazing. Is this a not-for-profit business? Is this a community center? What is this? This is such a great thing. So I think it has a dual benefit. Number one, you're doing right by your employees. Number two, 
It's marketing. People love that stuff. And I think the idea of, in my opinion today, in addition to being a productive member of the community and investing in your community through your employees is what I'm advocating for. The idea of cancel culture is so strong and here to stay. Mm. But people always think of that negatively. I say, well, forget cancel culture. Let's take 180 degree opposite. We're working on coining this term, by the way. I'm going to trademark it. We call it the give a shit ability. <laughs> okay. Amy now doesn't want just a paycheck, who's a millennial. She wants a place that she's proud to say she works at that represents her core values and her ethos, right? So how do we create an environment that tells Amy, the employee, we are the right employer for you. You want to be part of this team because we speak your language. We are on the same page. We, we have the same beliefs and core values. And in the same token, guests now that are voting with their dollars, right, in the opposite sense of the cancel culture, want to know that they're doing business with people who also share their values. And again, I'm making it sound heavy. This is not about heavy. This is about where am I spending my money? Who am I giving my money to? And what are they doing to change our planet from their employee on up, right? People talk about sustainability and green and all that. To me, that's stable space. I mean, if you don't recycle now, and you know, you travel, I travel, I'm shocked at how many states and cities don't recycle. But for us left coast people, I will fish a chicken bone out of the bottom of my garbage bag to put it in the compost. It's become muscle memory to us. So all that stuff to me is stable stakes. How do we take that to the next level and create a place that resonates with employees equally as it does with guests? I love that you're calling sustainability table stakes. I wish everyone would think about sustainability as a given. But I think to push your point further and to totally sound like an Oregonian here also, what you're talking about is really an ecosystem, right? It's about each part of your system, your hotel operations team contributing to the next and then it becoming bigger than the hotel itself. So by you investing in your employees, your housekeeping staff, you're investing in people and families and that's going to make a bigger and better contribution to the community outside of your door than, say, focusing on a charitable giving effort across the state or even further out, right? So you're really honing in and creating this little ecosystem that can have really big results. Exactly right. Back to the 90s, the adage from the 90s, think globally, act locally, right? Like we, we all need to be thinking about planet. The world has shrunk so much by virtue of technology. But at the end of the day, let's take baby steps where we can make a difference and not try to change the world all at once. If we all did one tiny little thing, think about the impact we make. I agree. Like we're talking about, I'm on a diversity action committee. And again, we keep meeting and talking and it seems so big what we're trying to do. And my suggestion last time to everyone is, look, we're in this industry, hospitality industry. There are a lot of kids in high school that don't even know this is an option, right? So I said, Let's quit our talking. Let's all commit that before next meeting, we're going to call our local high school in a tough neighborhood and say, we would love to come talk to your students to show them that hospitality is a path. An hour of someone's time. But again, we all mean well. We all want to change the world. And we become paralyzed by the overwhelming nature of that. It's one baby step at a time and we'll all make a huge difference. And that's why I'm thinking about, I have 50 people inside my building that I see every single day. If I could make an impact in five people's lives, that's going to be far greater than anything I tried to do that has a global stint. You know, looking at my notes here, one of the things I have was, how do you think this assembly will change the industry? And I think you've just laid it out. 
instead of thinking huge and getting overwhelmed, think small. Think, you know, your community. Think of your employees, whether it's five employees or 50 employees, whether it's the local high school and getting out and sharing with them the opportunities that they might not know exists about, you know, careers and hospitality. I think you've shared many, many ways that we can actually be real community partners by thinking small, by acting truly within our own community, within our own hotels, bringing the back of house to the front of house. I really cannot wait to see this come to fruition. Look, changing the industry again, I am no egomaniac. I am no Ian Schrager. I am no Bill Kimpton, nor ever dream of being. Those are pioneers that have done so much for our industry. My goal at the end of the day is in my small way to try to change the conversation at least. And if it kills me trying, I'm happy to do it. And if I end up doing nothing because the stars don't align, because success is not guaranteed, as you know. I And people talk about luck. The harder you work, the better your luck is, obviously. And I am that guy, but there are no guarantees. But hopefully through these conversations, I'm making people think about things differently. And if that's all I do, I'm happy. I've done my job. I've fulfilled my my dream of making a difference in our industry. Making a difference doesn't mean let's go start a new brand that changes the world or reinvent the way we do business. It really is. I'm trying to, again, practice what I preach in thinking big, but acting very small, very tangible, very achievable, quantifiable KPIs. Doing well by doing good. I like it. So if you do good work, people say, and we've done the Simon Sinek Discover Your Why exercise, like Apple doesn't say we're selling phones, we have great stores, we have, you know, genius bars. Apple says we're here to change the world, right? So why do we do what we do? And people always say, oh, to make money. And I say, no, 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 no. If you do good work, making money is a byproduct of that, right? But if you make your North Star, I'm here to make money, you may make money short term, but it won't be sustainable long term. So I think our why is we want to make a difference. As small as that might be, by thinking that way, we will make money. If we're smart about it, we will make money. But the notion of making money your North Star seems, again, so empty, right? I mean, it could all go in a moment. The asteroid is coming for us. It doesn't matter how much money you have. We're all going to be dead anyway. So I would rather, at least as the asteroid is approaching, kind of reflect back for two seconds and say, you know what? I did my part. I think that's a great note to end on. So at the end of the day, you've made a difference. I like that. Bashar, thank you so much for your time, for your candid responses, for the conversation and the analogies. It's been great. Oh, and if people want to learn more about you, where should they go? Again, I am a social media fiend. Uh, Instagram, my name, uh, full name, Bashar Wali, thisassembly.com, practicehospitality.com is our new venture that we did as well. So yeah, uh, social media, probably best Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm everywhere. In fact, I have teenage kids who, for example, will get on house party and be like, why are you in house party? I'm like, I'm trying to remain relevant. I'm trying to remain relevant and ahead of you. So that's my lesson. Remain relevant. Be everywhere all the time. Know about everything. TikTok included. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to go find you on TikTok after this and I will link to all of your profiles that you just shared, the websites that you shared in the show notes. I've got to look into practice hospitality. That sounds interesting. Thanks so much, Bashar. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You know, I really appreciate Bashar's vision for the future because it's not just aspirational. As you just heard, he shared many tangible ways to put into practice what he's preaching. And he's welcoming you in too. He welcomed me in and I appreciate that. 
I mean, we talked about Arab hospitality in the first episode, and Bashar is coming from a place where, you know, his ideas are plentiful. There are many. He has tons of analogies, and he's sharing them with us. So it's up to us to take some of these ideas and put them into play in the hotels that we work with. So my key takeaways from this episode were, one, when we talk about community partnership, we can think about the guests and the locals in our neighborhood But don't forget about your vendors and, most importantly, your own hotel staff. Look at the back-of-house employees with fresh eyes. Think about all that they're contributing to make your hotel run. Bashar makes a great point about this. So what can you give them in return that goes beyond health benefits? How can you do well by doing good? By helping one single employee, you create a ripple effect for their family and you create a measurable change in your own backyard. Think about that. Two, Bashar talked about conscious capitalism. Sustainability to him is table stakes. But for Bashar, it's more about the why. So you bring the back of house to the front of house. You create opportunities for guests to engage and to actually see and interact with your staff, maybe even help them out. And you create this sort of ecosystem that really hasn't existed to date. And guess what? Here's where conscious capitalism comes in because the byproduct of doing this good work is that it can be marketed too. And, you know, it turns out it's pretty good PR. So this is conscious capitalism at work. It's not a winner-take-all situation. It's actually a win-win. Number three. Dream big. Imagine how things can be better and don't stop there. I think one of the biggest things I took from my conversation with Bashar is to have these big dreams and then boil them down and put them into practice. So Practice Hospitality happens to be the name of Bashar's newest venture, and I'm guessing he's going to do exactly that. He's going to come up with a proof of concept for what we talked about on this episode. Maybe he'll open two or three or more properties and build them out in the way that he's described and see what happens from there. Change is coming to our industry. So let's not worry about that asteroid anytime soon. The future really is bright with people like Bashar leading the way. For the show notes from this episode, visit howtosharepodcast.com slash 29. As always, keep sharing your stories. Thanks for listening to the How to Share podcast. If you loved this episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. How to share.